0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear Cora Ballet member Madison Kiesler in conversation with communications associate Rena Nishijima. This episode was recorded on Sunday, March 11th, 2018, before a performance of Liam Scarlett's Frankenstein. Hope you enjoy.
1: So welcome to today's Meet the Artist interview. Uh, just, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Rena. I work in the marketing department at San Francisco Ballet. And today, um, we'll be talking to Madison Keesler. She's a Court of Ballet member. And before I get started, I want to remind everyone of our other audience engagement programs. You can find everything online at sfballet.org. Once you're on the website, you just have to cr- click the menu button and then explore ballet. So let me introduce to you Madison. Hello, everyone. <laughs> So Madison is, like I said, a quarter Ballet member at San Francisco Ballet. She's originally from Carlsbad. She was born there. She trained at Samuel Ballet School in Colorado, then went to Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, then finally to SF Ballet School before she joined Hamburg Ballet. After that, she came to San Francisco Ballet from 2009 to 2013, And most recently at English National Ballet, where you were there. Uh, You were there for four years? Yeah, I was there for four years. And now she's back with us at San Francisco Ballet. So I've moved around just a little bit. (laughs) Uh, She has a lot of nominations for awards and has received many. Um, Among those, she was a nominee for the Emerging Dancer Award at English National Ballet, as well as a nominee for the Princess Grace Foundation. Very impressive. And today we'll be talking about upcoming programs, as well as how Madison's travels and trainings make her the dancer she is today. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So this year is your first year back at San Francisco Ballet. Um, Can you kind of talk about what has changed or what hasn't? Um, You know, it's hard to say,
0: I think, because I feel that I've changed quite a bit, Um, hopefully in good ways only. Um, The last four years away was a good time of growth for me. So coming back you know it's it's the same uh, rigorous season of a lot of performances and um i'm very happy to be back that's for sure um so i think you know there's a natural sense of turnover within companies especially even just in four years so there's some new faces but there's also a lot of old faces and some good close friends which is really nice um so yeah it's
1: very happy to be back yeah, we're happy to have you back, too. And what was really the reason that brought you back? Um, well, I think to answer that
0: question, I kind of have to go to why um, did I choose to leave? Because uh, it's not quite a normal thing to um, go back and forth from companies, especially when you're in within the Court of ballet. So I was always uh, very appreciative of being with San Francisco Ballet. It's a beautiful company. Um, I never took that for granted. And... The choice to leave was very difficult, um, but I felt that I was in a place um, mentally and physically where I wanted to... I had a lot of questions. I even, you know, to be honest, even if I wanted to keep dancing, I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of um, uncertainty about where I wanted to go and what I needed, and... When I went to speak to Helgi about it, he um, was very generous with that, and I had taken classes with some different companies and um, was very curious about what was happening with English National Ballet and their new director at that time, Tamara Rojo, and just felt that I um, also was looking for a different schedule. So this company is amazing in the fact that we have a lot of repertoire, but it sometimes can leave very little room for um, coaching. And I didn't feel that I was in an adequate state to dance to the highest level that I could and I needed a bit more help and a bit more fine-tuning before I could take those roles on. So that was another part of it was me knowing that I I needed some work. (laughs) So I went out and that's kind of what led me to search for something different. Um, And so then I knew that after four years, I'd learned a lot. I was very grateful for those experiences that I had with English National Ballet um, but I wanted to come back, uh, to the States. I felt stronger both mentally and physically, and I never really thought that I would be allowed to come back. <laughs> I think you have to, you know, it's a big company, it's a beautiful company. And I never just kind of assumed that I would be lucky enough to come back. So I was pleasantly surprised when he said that there could be a court of
1: ballet contract for me. And here I am. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing. It, you know, I'm assuming this season at San Francisco Ballet is a little bit tough because it's so packed between December and May, unlike other companies, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so do you feel like that's been a transition for you too?
0: Yeah, I think the, that's something that definitely differentiates companies around the world is how the whole season's laid out. So uh, because this company has its performing season all in one chunk and then the uh, rehearsal and Uh, preparation season in another chunk it takes a different type of mindset but in a way it's actually quite nice because a few months ago we learned the ballets we prepare them then the body kind of forgets it a little bit and we come back to it and there's still a bit of a muscle memory which is interesting even when you only have a few days or a week or two to prepare a ballet again um, like this company does so I think there's you know, benefits to all sorts of ways of working.
1: Great. And can you tell us, um, I'm always really fascinated by our artists and kind of the artistic lifestyle. What were some challenges before you became a professional dancer? Maybe it doesn't have to be specifically at San Francisco Ballet, but in general. Some
0: challenges once I became a
1: Right, so when you transitioned yeah. from student to dancer.
0: Um. Hmm. Oh, so many things. <laughs> I mean, I think, I guess I would say that there were two main things that I learned. Um, and I'd say communication and consistency. So in, in terms of consistency, it's very difficult. In your, when you're in a school, you kind of take for granted that you have your teachers there pushing you day in, day out. Um, you don't have an option but to work and their eyes are always on you then you enter into a company especially if you're in a big company and you have to push yourself a lot more especially when you're in the court of ballet or you know and um, so finding a way to be consistent whether you're cast dancing every night in a performance or whether you might not have any rehearsals or any performance for two weeks but you still need to be at the top of your game so that is a difficult thing to find from transitioning from student to professional. And then the other part that I mentioned was um, communication. So we ch- focus a lot about the, or focus on technique and things like that a lot, but there's also a human aspect to it. You know, we have to all of a sudden at 16, 17, 18, however old you are when you join and become a professional. A lot of times you find that young people are afraid to speak to their bosses and to their artistic directors or ballet masters, and I think I've now been doing this for almost 10 years, and over the time I've learned how important that communication is. A lot of times as students we're trained to just kind of be quiet, say yes or no with a nod of the head, and do your job, which to a certain degree that's very true, but I think there's something to be said about... um, in an appropriate manner, communicating between your ballet masters as
1: well as uh,
0: your boss how things are going and how you're feeling.
1: Yeah, I'm always really impressed by how mature our dancers are. We have apprentices who are probably about 17, 18 maybe, um, and you just really have to grow up fast, I think. Yeah,
0: it definitely forces you to
1: grow up fast, and that's part of the training too. You know, where a beautiful
0: thing about even just being a student of dance is it gives you a great sense of discipline.
1: Great. And because you've, um, you've been a professional dancer for how many years now? Uh, this is my ninth year working. So. Okay. So that means that you've worked with so many different choreographers from around the world and around the country.
0: Yeah, I've been very fortunate with that. Um, a lot of which have been while I've been in San Francisco Valley before or now. Um, and that's amazing. This company has great rep, which uh, I'm very grateful to be a part of. Um, yeah, but I I guess... When I was in English National Ballet as well, um, we had an amazing opportunity to work with a choreographer by the name of Akram Khan. So that was probably my most valued experience that I've had so far Um, as a dancer, uh, also because we had a creation process of a couple months to create a brand-new contemporary Giselle. And we kind of dissected everything. And I was very... grateful to learn the principal part in that as well. So I got to perform Giselle. Um, so kind of rediscovering with this choreographer in our own new language, um, who is Giselle, who is Albrecht, who is Hilarion, how do those characters interact? You know, we had a storyboard up. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing to be a part of a process.
1: Great. And I'm really glad that you're touching on working with different choreographers, such as Akram, uh, because right now we have a festival that's coming up in April called Unbound, a festival of new works. And what it is, is um, it's a a festival featuring 12 choreographers from around the world. And it's really an exciting time for our company because our 70-something dancers have the opportunity, each have the opportunity to work with four different choreographers, I believe. So which four choreographers have you worked with over the summer? So my group, because we were all kind of split into groups, uh,
0: we worked with uh, Annabelle Lopez-Ochoa, with Miles Thatcher,
1: with Alonzo King, and Edward Liang. Great. And I know all these choreographers were asked by Helgi Thomason, our artistic director, to really explore the future of ballet. So maybe could you talk about one or two of the choreographers and? their choreographic process as well as how they explored the future of ballet?
0: Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time to have that many uh, choreographers create new works. Um, you know, I, I don't know if any other company has had something quite to that scale, so it's amazing, especially during the time uh, in the summer when everyone was around creating. Each studio had a different uh, choreographer in there, and um, the energy in the building was was quite something. Um I guess for me the process that stands out most um is the creation from Miles Thatcher. Uh not only because he's a good friend of mine and as some of you know, a beautiful dancer in the company. Um but his the choreography and the piece that he's created is really something that I think is gonna be very special. Um without saying too much, and I hope I don't misinterpret um the meaning behind it. He takes the idea of binaries in whatever way that might be, whether that's uh, gender, you know, male and female, depends what it might be. Um, and just kind of questions, you know, what is that today? What is right and wrong and how do we differentiate that and who's to say and you know the dancers were kind of split into two groups and we have different characters within that so there's there's a story um with it still being abstract and uh, when we had the final run through even though I was dancing I remember sitting and watching one of the pas and actually brought me to tears for sure so I'm excited for you all to see that
1: I'm excited to see it as well Great. And which, uh, you said you're also working with Liang, Uh, what were the other two?
0: Liang, Alonzo King, and Annabelle Lopez Ochoa.
1: Got it. How's that process been with um, Annabelle? Uh, Really good. I've always wanted to work with her,
0: actually. When I was with English National Ballet, she came as part of an all-female program that they did of all-female choreographers. And she did a beautiful piece about Frida Kahlo. And I remember watching it and just dying to be in it. So when I heard she was coming to this New Works Festival, I just kind of kept my fingers crossed that I would somehow work with her. And luckily I did. So yeah, she's doing um, a beautiful piece inspired by the Picasso painting. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Guernica. Um, And it's a very strong piece. And it's, it is, I have to say, it is nice to be in the room and have a female choreographer. You know, it's, not something that happens enough. Um because you do get a different take, you know, and, and talent is talent and she's a very talented choreographer and, and very passionate about what she wants. And so it's fun because our movements are very strong and very impassioned. And that's that's nice to be able to dance.
1: Great. So at this point, I think it's pretty obvious that a priority for San Francisco Ballet is the creation of new works. But because we are a classical ballet company, we present everything from Swan Lake to Giselle. I'm sure many of you have attended. And we also do neoclassical works by Balanchine. Um, And coming up, we have a whole program devoted to Jerome Robbins. So I was hoping we could talk about it today. I hear you're rehearsing Jerome Robbins' The Cage and Fancy Free. I am, yes. Can you kind of talk about how the process is different from sending a new work? Because it already has been sent on someone else. Yeah,
0: I mean, first of all, I'm I'm very excited about the All Robins program. That's one thing when I was away um, both of my times in in Europe, UK, I missed the Balanchine and the Jerome Robbins. There's just something very special about those works. very musical and very satisfying to dance and I think to watch as well. Um, So yeah, definitely come see the Robins programs. (laughs) and the i guess that you know there's a, there is definitely a difference when you're having something created on you it's more of a collaboration process whereas um the works that Jerome Robbins has built they are there and they're already great now that doesn't mean that each dancer doesn't have little interpretations but um It's nice also to be able to kind of just trust the work and know that it's not our job to reinvent it. You know, this is not our time to show our artistic stamp, but just to represent the work as it's meant to be.
1: And it's very good work, in my opinion. Great. So I'm particularly excited about The Cage. It's such a unique one. Um, And I think you're in the core for The Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the it? the cage is quite unique. I actually
0: hadn't seen it um, prior to this year, prior to knowing that we were going to do it and watching some videos. Um, the, w- <laughs> the women are, we have our hair teased out very large and we're in uh, leotards. Uh, we're meant to be bugs. We have very funny movement. And I think about the time when it was choreographed and it must have been um, quite something to see. So it's it's fun to watch. It's a definitely a different world, uh, very detailed musicality of
1: movement as all of his ballets, but it's, yeah, it's fun to do as well. Great. I'm excited for that one. And then transitioning over to Fancy Free, which is completely different from The Cage. Is there a moment that we should look out for or a specific, uh, well, maybe you can talk about the specific roles that you're performing.
0: Yeah. Fancy Free. I've, I remember watching that when I was in, I think, school here with San Francisco Ballet, and I, I loved loved it right away. Um, I forget the exact date that it was choreographed, in 1930s or 1940s, and I believe it was one of um, Robin's first-ish works. I remember hearing that uh, he started the idea when he was still a dancer and was on tour and would kind of throw together pieces. So it's set in that time period. It has three sailors, um, two main dancing girls, and then another woman who comes on at the end. And it's it's just fun. It's uh, fun to see a very innocent take on how these sailors try and impress come into the New York and impress these uh, young ladies and um, it's something that you have to remind yourself of the time that it's in uh, while you're watching it Um, and I'm very grateful to be learning actually both those dancing parts so I don't know what will end up being performed but it's been a pleasure to learn both of those roles for sure
1: Something I'm always always curious about is how you transition from two completely from one completely different ballet to another. Do you have any rituals to mentally prepare yourself? I think it depends how much we've rehearsed something.
0: Um, sometimes you can just trust, okay, well, the musicality, or you know that you've had enough preparation. But if you haven't had enough um, preparation for it to just be in your body, you definitely would want to go over it beforehand maybe sometimes I'll put the music on my um headphones and go over it on stage by
1: myself um different things to just kind of switch your mind over great so right now um I just want to open up to the audience for any questions so the question was if you happen to forget choreography on stage what do you do (laughs) (laughs) I mean that never happens I don't know what you're talking about no um
0: (laughs) I mean, hopefully it doesn't, but I usually, um, if you're in the court of ballet, hopefully you can take a little glance to the side. I mean, I think, actually, speaking of Jerome Robbins, Jerome Robbins has a perfect ballet of that called The Concert, where he essentially makes fun of those moments, which is especially entertaining when dancers are watching it, because we all know we've been there. It's that moment where you do one arm, and then you realize every other core member's in a different position. And so what do, you, what do you do? Do you move it quickly? Do you move it slowly to match everybody? <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, if you're if you're in that moment on stage, if you had a blank, definitely re- if you're with a group, relying on what people around you are doing. So I think being present within that moment of, okay, come back. Um, if you're by yourself, I, in a way it's similar of just trying to Come back to that moment. Come back, especially musicality. I think we'll always save it.
1: Um, but hopefully, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Great question. Anyone else? If you didn't dance, what would you do? Is the question. It's a hard question. <laughs> um, I think when I was
0: having the doubts that I spoke of earlier, um, they were actually. It was a very important moment and I think brought me back to why I do feel our art form is so important and why art is important in general Um, but I suppose uh, without going on too much of a rant (laughs) um, I've always been very interested in acting um, but at the same time I uh, wanted to do something that would make an impact and I think at that time when I was, you know, twenty, as I think most twenty year olds do, you question what are you gonna do with the world and how are you going to help? And you know, am I going to go volunteer somewhere in Africa or, or wherever it might be? Or should I build houses or you know, I'm which I think a lot of people question, you know, how how are we going to best utilize our time here? And I'm you know, I'm not gonna lie, I did have a lot of doubts. if Am I being selfish for going into the studio every day and enjoying what I do? And I think the conclusion I I came to was that I really do believe that ballet as an art form is a very powerful form of expression. And I think it uh, does cross different boundaries and, and opens a world both to the dancers as well as an audience that maybe other... Other things can't do. It allows... There's endless possibilities, and and my hope is kind of that um, the theater can become an escape in a way of whether that's bringing light to a situation in a very real way and making people talk or debate about something. You know, it could be a political stance or whatever it might be. Or it could be the complete opposite, maybe bringing into a beautiful... Sleeping Beauty, you know, a beautiful realm of um, escape... You know, that people can just sit and be fully present and enjoy. I think we're so constantly bombarded with phones and technology, which I'm also very much a social geek, so don't get me wrong. (laughs) But um, a social media geek, I should say. Um, But I think there's something very beautiful about the theater.
1: So that's a long-winded answer to your question. But (laughs) We can do two more questions today, I think. Anyone in the back? I'm sorry, I had a hard time hearing, but I think you said... um... Was there specific childhood experiences that really made you want to dance? Um, uh, My mom did dance, not professionally,
0: um, but she definitely had an influence in that. But at the same time, I just kind of was a kid that had a lot of different interests. I was doing tennis and violin and then dance of all sorts. And at some point, my mom kind of said, you know, I think she was running around a lot and I was eight. And she's like, you know, if you had to pick one, what, would it be? And I just picked dance, and I picked ballet in particular. So I guess, in a way, you could say it was by chance, but I think uh, my parents were always very supportive of uh, whatever I wanted to do. At the same time, uh, being clear that if I wanted to do it, it took a lot of work and um, a lot of dedication, so not allowing me to waver from that as long as it was my passion. But it was always my choice, which I think was very important. Um, and instilling that drive within myself.
1: Thank you. One last question. The question is, what would you like Helgi to set for the company right now? What, would like what, would you, what role would you like to step into right now? Uh, definitely within any repertoire you mean? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> in general, uh, Juliet has always been a dream of mine, without a
1: doubt. So, hands Great. down. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us for the Meet the Artist interviews today. Um, Thank you very much. And once again, all the interviews, all the podcasts will be available online at sfballet.org. And feel free to check out our other audience engagement programs. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, please check out sfballet.org slash explore.